So here we are on the first Sunday of the new year, and we're going to look at a couple of weeks, for a couple of weeks at first. Uh, today we're going to look at what you need to do in your personal life to make sure that you are as close to Christ as, as you can be. Because ultimately the responsibility for your relationship with Christ rests with you. You're as close to God as you choose to be on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. And so if you want to be close to Christ, you've got to make some choices. We're going to talk about that today. Next week we're going to talk about what is a first priority of our church. And so how we collectively can come together and carry out the commands of Christ in 2014. So what I want to do now is I've got three categories. These are on your listening guides. If you have your um, smartphones, version, you can look it up. Uh, if you just type in 758012 or 3, either one of those, it'll come up and you can have those on there. Cool thing about version 2 is you've got the translation so you can see the individual verses that I put on your listening guide. But then if you want to read it in full context later, you can go and, and it just says read in context and it'll show you the whole chapter where we got that. So your best friend is going to examine your life and then they're going to tell you which of these three categories that you fell into last year. All right? Your relationship with God falls into one of three categories, and this is your best friend examining your life. You're gonna tell, they're going to tell you which one you fall into, and you're going to be honest and, and tell me which one they told you you fell into. All right, first is indifferent. Many people last year did not think about God at all. Um, God wasn't a priority. Church wasn't a priority. Indifference means that when you examine where you spent your time and your money and your energy last year, God didn't make the top ten. I'm working on this thing. This may be a whole process today. God didn't make the top ten, so that's indifferent. Second is inconsistent. Inconsistent folks can look at 2013 and they say, man, there are times when, when God and I were on the mountaintop together. We were close. There were times when I was in the valley and it didn't seem like I even knew God existed or God knew that I existed. There were times that reading my Bible and praying were a big deal. There were times that serving in small group were a big deal. There were other times I went in the big fat valley and I didn't show up for weeks at a time. And so there's lots of highs and lots of lows. That's inconsistent. And then the third category would be fully devoted. Now, remember, this is what your close friend would say based on the evidence of your life. So to, to declare you fully devoted, you have to be devoted. That means they have to look at your life and they have to see that, that daily Bible reading is a priority for you. They have to see that prayer is, is vital. Not only are you talking to God, and, 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 but you're actually hearing from God on a regular basis. You're hearing God speak through other Christians. And, and they see this evidence uh, in your life. You couldn't wait to get to church week after week, not because it was the only time that you got any time with God, but, but because it was the culmination of six days of private worship, and you couldn't wait to get together with your other brothers and sisters in Christ and celebrate the risen Savior. So, one, two, or three. Now, just to be nice to you for 2013, we're going to we're going to put categories one and two together. Your best friend, based on the evidence of your life, how many of you would your best friend would say you were in category one or two? Let me see your hands. Raise your hands. All right. Now, those of you who were in those categories, last year at the end of 2012, was it your highest goal to be inconsistent or indifferent toward your heavenly father? Did you plan to do it that way? Because if you did, good job, you succeeded in failing. If not, what happened? Well, the, the short answer is you got distracted. Other things became more important than your relationship with God. 
Now, if you're in category three, I can't ask you to raise your hand because then you lose your reward, you know, and, and you wouldn't be humble anymore, and then you have to start all over and you'd go to inconsistent. So I can't do that, but, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time looking at five choices that you can make that will guarantee that 2014 was better for you spiritually than, than 2013. And I'm not saying that all your wildest dreams will come true. I'm just telling you that if you make these choices and if you are devoted to these things, then your relationship with God will be vibrant. Um, it, will, it will come alive and other people will see your heavenly father reflected in your life. And, uh, and only you can make these decisions. So let's look at these real quickly. Here's the first first. The first of the day, seek God. Now, I don't want to be legalistic about this. I don't want you to wake up and go to the bathroom and go, ah, oh, I forgot to seek God first. Or to turn off your alarm and go, ah, oh, I'm going straight to hell because I didn't seek God first. Turn off my alarm. No, I don't want you to do that. But I do want you to get into the habit of seeking God before you leave the house. Um, You're the sum total of your habits, good and bad. And if you'll make it a habit to spend just a little bit of time with God, focusing your heart and your attention on Him before you leave the door, you'll be amazed that God will begin to change your attitudes. He will begin um, to change the words that come out of your mouth. He will begin to change your eyes so that you see Him at work in the world and not just annoyances. Because most of the time... Uh, interruptions are divine intersections of where God is bringing someone into your life who needs a touch from you to be used in his hands. If you were indifferent or inconsistent last year, I can tell you that this one choice, choice number one, seek God first at the first of your day, you were very inconsistent with this. Because there's a principle, spiritual principle, to become like God you have to spend time with God. If you're not spending time with God, then everybody knows it. Conversely, if you are, then everybody knows that as well. Look at some verses from Scripture, just rapid fire here. Psalm 5.3 says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectations. What's the key word there? In the morning. All right? Psalm 143, 8 through 10. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I've put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Rescue me from my enemies, O Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Again, what's the first, at the first of that verse? Let the morning bring me word. And and Joe and John and I have talked about this many times. Uh, John even mentioned it when he preached a few weeks ago that what we're trying to get in the Christian life is not a bunch of highs and not a bunch of lows. What we want to do is kind of level it out. Well, the the psalmist, David, in this case, is telling us how to do that. In the morning, I I come to you, God. And and then, God, if I will focus my attention on you, you, yes, I may still have a little bit of bumps, but they're not going to be as severe. They're not going to be manic if you spend some time with God. Mark 135, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Very early in the what? In the morning. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If the Son of God made it a habit to get up very early and to, to pray with his heavenly Father, don't you think you and I need to much more than he did? He's the sinless Son of God. And he was getting in tune with his heavenly Father before he would start his day. And so I think you and I do as well. The key to doing this consistently is to have a plan. If you don't plan for how you're going to have time with the Lord, you're going to fail. You're planning not to um, succeed if you don't have this specific plan. And I can give you some real uh, easy things. Um, I'm currently doing two different 
version um, devotionals. And so each morning I get up and I have a cup of coffee and I check my email. My email, I have two other devotionals. I've got one from Rick Warren and one from Max Licato. And then I've got two that I'm doing here. One of them is called the Bible Survey and it's reading major chapters all the way through the Bible. And mine is Bible Survey Part 3, I'm on day 18 of 92. I'll eventually get all the way through the major chapters of the Bible, so I'll read a little devotional. And then I like the way this kind of British dude reads the NIV, so I let him. There's a little thing at the bottom of you version, so if you're driving down the road, you don't need to be reading. You can push that little button, and it will read the chapter to you. Um, the other one that I have is called Toward a Fearless New Year, and this is by John Piper. It's only seven days long. And, and if you've never done a daily devotional, I would encourage you to start with seven days. This, this one uh, by John Piper is really good. You have a devotional thing and you have one verse that, that you think about. Or there's, there's another one by John Piper if you go to Version and you just go to the Bible plans or devotional plans. Um, there's one that you can type in one verse. One of the things that Version is doing, they're over, um, they're over 100 million installs on smartphones. And so now their goal is to get to 1 billion. Um, down, downloads on smartphones. And so one of their things for 2014 is to, um, they're calling it one verse, where they're asking you to pick out a verse that you come back to over and over and over again throughout the year. You pray it, you believe it in faith, and you share it with others. Well, I think that mine is going to be that Psalm 5.3. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait in expectation. That's kind of going to be my theme verse for, for the next year. And if you need one, one of the cool things, if you go in and you type one verse in the, the little search thing, John Piper has this thing from 2012. He, he took the most popular verses for Bible app users, and there's 10 of them, so it's a 10-day devotional. And he has this little two- or three-minute thing where you can watch it on video. If you're not, I don't read, well, let John Piper talk to you. And then push the British voice and let him read to you so that your heavenly father can make some input into your life. It's a pretty cool deal. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. Uh, there's My Utmost for His Highest, uh, Oswald Chambers. There's a 30-day devotional. There's a one-year Bible, which is 365 days. But day by day with Billy Graham, because Billy Graham is so spiritual, that's 366 days. You get an extra day with Billy Graham. Um, if you don't want to go a full 366 days, the Newsboys have a devotional where they take their favorite songs from their album, God's Not Dead, and they do a little devotional thing, and then you can actually go and listen to the song. And it says... Um, with tracks like Mighty to Save, I Am Second, and God's Not Dead. Seven days, the Newsboys. 10th Avenue North. If you're not a Newsboys guy, 10th Avenue North has a seven-day devotional. If you're not a 10th Avenue North, Lecrae has an eight-day devotional. Some of you don't know who that is. You need to look it up. Bottom line, if you've not found a daily devotional that you can do, it's because you haven't tried. Because there is so much stuff out there. And this, you don't even have to buy a book. It's free. And, and if you're one of those people you can't remember to go to your phone, which, like, there's anybody like that, you can have a little daily email reminder where it will send the thing to you. And then after you've read it on your email, there's this little thing that you, it says, click here to mark in your U version that you've done today's deal. Because when you finish, let's say you do a seven-day, at the end of seven days, you're going to get this little congratulations. You've made God a part of your life. And, you know, it's, it's this dumb little thing, but, but it's kind of cool. And then you'll get an email that says, hey, uh, notice you're a little bit behind. And uh, that's not cool. And so there's this little thing, catch me up. And whatever your last day was that you read, it'll, it'll make that yesterday's. And then it gets you caught back up. It's an awesome deal if you're not, uh, if you're not doing a devotional because you're just not trying. So first of the day, we do what? Seek God. Thanks for paying attention. First of the day, we do what? 
seek God. Now, I'm just curious, and, and don't do this because your neighbor does it. This is, this is not junior high or VBS or anything. I'm just curious how many of you say, I'm willing to commit to seven days. The next seven days, I will do a daily devotional with the Lord. Let me see your hand. All right, cool. Next week, I'm going to ask you. How many of you lied? <laughs> second, second, first, we need to do. First day of the week is worship. Worship needs to be a habit. Acts 20, verse 7 says this, On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking till midnight. Now, this is a really funny thing. Um, it's not funny. It ends up funny. Paul preaches so long because he's leaving the next day, and he's, he's like, I've got to get it all in. Just imagine if I were leaving tomorrow, and I was, I was not coming back for years, and, and I was trying to teach you, you know that I'm long-winded anyway. Just imagine if i got to leave tomorrow, and I'm not going to see you for 10 years. I am going to pour it on. Well, there was a guy sitting in the wind of the wind. He falls asleep. And he falls out and he dies. Paul just goes down. Now, I don't know if I could pull it. This would have to be God, you know, working through me. Paul goes down and heals the dude. You think people heard about the power of this God that he was preaching? Yes. Now, it says on the first day of the week. A lot of people wonder why we don't, um, we don't honor the Sabbath like they did in the Old Testament. Well, the reason is because Jesus Christ was raised on Sunday. And so the habit of the early church was to meet on the first day of the week. It's Resurrection Day. Every week we should celebrate Resurrection Day. It's why we do it on Sundays. Um, now, did you know that in America, 48% of people who call themselves regular churchgoers attend church one time a month? Now, name any other activity that you can do one time a month and call yourself regular at it. I exercise once a month. I'm studly. I talk to my wife once a month. I am romantic. Right? That does not make any sense, does it? I, I, if you come one time a month, that's 25% of the time. Personally, I think you've got to at least get to 75% before you can call yourself a regular church attender. Three times out of four. You know, because stuff happens. If spiritually you've been indifferent or inconsistent, your attitude towards worship has been indifferent or inconsistent. And, and those two things don't go together. I know that kids are involved in sports on the weekends, and, and the sports God is more important than the real God. And I know football is going on, and, and some of you worship the Cowboys. At, at least worship a better team if you're going to, you know, if you're going to do that. I mean, I, I see you, Casey. I see you. <laughs> Kyle Orton, same result as Romo. It doesn't matter. Anyway, we, we we'll talk later. Casey and I will talk later. Um, my... My girls are the two highest rated gym, gymnasts in our gym. And, and they do not practice on Wednesday nights. Do you know why? Because impact is on Wednesday nights. And in our family, when something is going on with God, that's more important. And so we told them a long time ago, when they were first starting out, we said, we'll never come on Wednesday nights because my kids were going to be at church on Wednesday nights. Um, it's just, it's, it's a big deal uh, because of that, one day a year now, I do take vacation one time a year because our state meet, they're, they're high enough in ranking now that, that their, their level goes on a Sunday. So we go and we go to church somewhere. We try to find a Saturday night church or we go early on Sunday morning because I want my kids to know that it's a big deal that we need to be in worship every week. The Bible commands it. It's supposed to be a habit. And, and because you've come today, you'll be just a little bit different than when you walked in here. 
You made a priority to come to sing. You, you witness someone be baptized. You're being taught the word of God. And you'll be a little bit different when you leave here than when you came in. And what if you did that for 51 weeks? If you made it a priority over the next 51 weeks, would you be any different after 51 weeks than you are today? I certainly hope so. Um, and so we make it a habit. Hebrews 10.25 says, Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. We were talking, a bunch of us were at supper last night, we were talking about this. You know, is, is it going to get better or is it going to get worse before Jesus Christ comes back? There, there may be some revival, but, but Jesus said it's going to get worse. And so it says, as if, we, if we believe that the Lord's return is coming closer, every day it's getting closer, we're supposed to encourage one another. You can't encourage one another unless you're with one another. Make sense? That's why worship is such a big deal. Uh, and honestly, how hard is it to get here on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m.? Not hard. Last week, I was in Borger. I had to go home and, and do some estate stuff for mom and dad's estate and kind of work on the house and do some things. Well, last Sunday morning, I went to First Baptist Borger. That's where I grew up. 21 degrees and the wind was blowing. I'm not kidding. Gusts up to 60 miles an hour. Bald head cannot handle that stuff. And I parked on the back row because I, I just can't park. You know, there were visitors, there were guests. I could have been a guest. I hadn't been there in years, except for funerals. And, and so I parked on the back row, and it was stinking cold walking across that parking lot. But I was grateful to God that I went on the website to check out their time. Their Sunday morning worship service starts at 10, 10 a.m. Because I was going to go at 11. I'd have been busting in there right as the preacher's wrapping up. Got there at 1010 and, and you know, sat, at, sat, this church holds, if you, if you filled everything up, it'd probably hold a thousand because they've got about 500 on the bottom and then they've got a balcony and all this stuff. Well, there's about 300 people there and they're all 10 rows back. Dude, and I was telling some people, had I been the preacher, I'd have been moving my little table right up there next to them because I felt sorry for the guy. These people have been sitting, I'm... Some of them, I hadn't been there. I haven't been a member of that church since 1982. Some of them are still sitting in the same places. Some of them, I'm not sure they go home. They never move. What I'm trying to tell you is that we try to make church easy for you to come to. You don't have to dress up. We want the music to at least, you know, get you moving. We want you to clap your hands whether you're on the beat or not. We'll make fun of you or not, but... but we, you know, we'll laugh with you, not at you. We'll laugh at you um, if you don't have rhythm. But we want to make it easy, and we want this to be a place where it's fun to come. We put the sermons on the, the website, nlccp.com. It's real simple. You type that in, and down in the, in the lower right-hand corner, it has the last five sermons or six sermons. We, we make CDs back here. Bottom line is if you're not listening to the service or attending the service, it's, it's because you don't want to because we make it as easy as possible. Here's a third first. Tithe, T-I-T-H-E. That means 10%. Now, Janie and I determined a long time ago that we were going to give 10% of our income. It's just something we've done. We decided before we ever got married, we talked about it. This was a big deal to me. We're always going to give 10% of our income to the church. And, and we do it with anything. If, if I 10% for mowing, if I get paid for a, for a wedding or a funeral or whatever, 10% of that comes back to the church. And I've had people say, why would anyone in their right mind give 10% to the church? Here's my attitude towards that. Why would anyone in their right mind not give 10% to the church? Because I want to show you something. Uh, in the Old Testament, Leviticus says this. Leviticus 27.30. 
10% of everything you harvest is holy and belongs to me, whether it grows in your fields or on your fruit trees. Now this says 10% is what? Holy. Do you know what holy means? It means it belongs to someone else. When I send my kids to the store and they buy something and I give them money, when they come back, what do I want? My change because it's holy. And it's mine, and I expect to get back what is mine. The Bible says that everything we have, including the next breath that we take, comes from God. And when we give to Him, we're acknowledging that it's all His anyway, and He can trust us. And this causes more fights and arguments in churches than any other topic. And I know some churches, they don't even preach on money because it's too controversial. Um, People just don't want to give. Because here's the deal, giving reveals the condition of your heart. And a lot of folks claim that tithing is just Old Testament anyway. And, and here's what they'll say. They say, we aren't under law, which the Old Testament is law. We're under grace. And that is such a spiritual sounding way to cover up greed. Because I want to show you what it actually says in the New Testament. Jesus Christ is talking. Matthew 23, 23 he says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now look at this. You should tithe. Jesus says it. That means it's New Testament too. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And here's something I'd notice. Jesus says this is like it's common knowledge. He says, tithing, yeah, it's, it's not even a big deal. You should tithe and then pay attention to the more important things. It's New Testament and Old Testament. He's hammering the Pharisees, these guys who were always sounding spiritual when really they had greedy motivations behind everything that they were doing. The one time in the Bible when Jesus said to the Pharisees, you're doing this one thing right, it was about tithing. It's the only time he ever complimented them. You're tithing even this, that's good, keep doing that, but don't neglect the more important things. There's more important things than tithing. It should just be a normal, natural part of growing in Christ. And people give all kinds of, of, of spiritual sounding excuses for not tithing. I tithe my time. That's awesome. You should give of your time. Jesus was talking about money. <laughs> well, I give of my talents to the church. Awesome. You should give of your talents to the church. But did you know that Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven, hell, faith, and prayer combined? Why do you think he did that? Because he knew that money represented our heart. Remember what he said? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus knows that our emotions follow our treasures. And and giving to the kingdom of God helps me defeat materialism in my life and reminds me that, that what I see in my bank account, that's not the final, praise God, that's not the final word. And, and I can tell you, God has provided more and more. And I'm not trying to tell you that, that if you give, God's going to bless you. All, but I will, well, I'm going to say he'll bless you, but I'm not telling you he's going to give you dollar for dollar or even a multiple of your dollars. We were talking about this too. God's, God can bless you in ways that you don't even realize. He can give you family relationships that, that you wouldn't have. Other. God gets to choose whenever you acknowledge he is Lord of everything, even your wallet. Have you ever considered that the reason... Your finances are so messed up as maybe you're not doing finances God's way. It's not a business transaction. This is a spiritual transaction. And God has promised not to be involved in your finances if you're not giving to his kingdom. Malachi 3, 8 through 10, he says, Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? And all the Israelites are going, But how are we robbing you, God? And he says, In tithes and offerings. He says, Your whole nation is under a curse because you're robbing me. And then he says, 
bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. In the Old Testament, the storehouse is, is right next to the, the temple where they were going. Um, but in the New Testament, the storehouse means where you go to worship. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and test me. It's the only time in Scripture God says, test me, I dare you. He says, test me if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you so rich you cannot contain it. God says, you do your part, you can guarantee I'm going to do mine and I'm going to take care of you. And so you just that's a, that's a very personal decision. But I actually read a statistic that if every Christian in the United States tithed, we could wipe out world hunger inside of five years. There would be so much surplus in all the churches that we could give to all of the world hunger issues in the world. Here's another first. Fast. What is a fast? It's not Usain Bolt. I just seen if you're listening. Fasting is a biblical principle where you deny yourself physically, and, the, and most of the time it's food, so that we can seek God. You become so focused spiritually that you'll give up something physical so that you can get an answer from God. In the Bible, there's one, three, seven, ten day, there's at least three 40 day fasts. And, and what it is, it's a time where you set aside physical things so that you can focus on spiritual things. Um, Janie and I, through, in, in our married life, we've done a number of one to three day fasts. I've done a seven day fast where all I did was juice. The last two years, we've done a 21 day, what we call a Daniel fast. This is kind of a, a popular thing that's, that's come out lately. Uh, it's been in the scripture for, for thousands of years. But a Daniel fast is where you just um, have fruits and vegetables and water for a certain number of days. Now, he did a 10-day fast. He also did a 21-day fast. So the last two years, we've, we've challenged the church to do a 21-day fast. This year, Janie and I split it up. We're doing two 10-day fasts. We already did one 10-day, and we're going to do another 10-day. But here's the reason. You do it because you want to know God. I've seen people fast for their marriages. I've seen people fast for their children because their children were straying from God. Um, I've seen people fast for someone that they desperately want to come into the kingdom of God. Uh, it's just where you're focusing on God and even the hunger pangs remind you that you're dependent upon God to get you through. In Joel 1.14, God says this, Announce a time of fasting, call the people together for a solemn assembly, bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to Him there. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus was talking in Matthew chapter 6, and he says, when you give, do this. When you pray, do this. And he says, when you fast. Now, here's the thing about that. Jesus doesn't say, if you give, if you pray, if you fast. He says, when. He expects his followers to fast. If you've never done it before, I would just do a 24-hour fast, because in 24 hours, if, you're, if, you're not, if you don't wean yourself off of caffeine, you're going to have this horrible headache, and you're going to be this bear, you know, and it's not going to do a whole lot. So you need to start slowly. But I know a lot of people, I don't remember if there were 12 or 15 people last year in our church that did the 21-day Daniel fast. And it was amazing to see what God did in their lives, how he made them more aware of his presence and how he answered their prayers. Now, when you do the fast, Jesus said to anoint your head with oil. Now, that's awesome. And I actually do that after I shave my head. I have baby oil because I need a soft, supple skin on my head. And, and that's how I get it to reflect, reflect sometime. Um, but... but it, Putting oil on your head actually means fix yourself up. So when, when you fast, you're not supposed to draw attention to yourself. Now, it's okay if you're going to lunch with friends or whatever. It's okay to say, I'm just not eating today. You don't have to lie. You need to tell your family if you're fasting. That doesn't negate the spiritual effects of fasting. Um, but if you're going to do it, you need to do some preparation for it. Because if you'll focus on God and your heart is to get to know God better, then He will bless you through a fast. Number five, and, and I'm just going to mention this one, and then we'll talk more about it next week. At least once a month, you need to serve. 
Now, if you want what you had last year, then by all means, do exactly what you did last year. But if you want something you've never had, you're going to have to do something you've never done. So if you were inconsistent, if you were indifferent towards God, and that's your goal this year, have fun with that. Don't expect God, don't get mad at God when you come to this time next year and you've not advanced in the kingdom of God. You've not grown closer to Him. You've got to make some choices if you want to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. And I want to ask you this. What is it that you're resisting most? When, when you hear this list, these five things, which one are you going, oh, I don't know if I could do that. That's probably the one that God is telling you you need to do. Because don't ever offer God something that costs you nothing. Some of you, you know, you're going to say, some of you will say, well, I'll fast. I, I won't exercise. And you hadn't exercised in a decade. And that doesn't, that doesn't cost you anything. Right? Don't ever give God something that costs you nothing. Now, we're about to go into a time of the Lord's Supper. I want to do this the first Sunday of the year. And let me just quickly explain the Lord's Supper and tell you how we're going to do it. If, if you're a Christian, you are, you are welcome to take the Lord's Supper. You don't have to be a church member here. We believe that, that any time we, we come to the table, there's a couple of things we're supposed to do. Number one, you're supposed to remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross because you and I are sinners, and we were hell-bound without him. Number two, we're supposed to examine our lives. Before we take the Lord's Supper, we're supposed to confess any known sin. So I would caution you, do not come to the Lord's table if you know there is sin in your life. Now, if you sit there and you confess and God gives you a peace in your heart, then come to the Lord's Supper. But if you read in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul was talking to the Corinthians and he, and he nails them because they take the Lord's Supper. He said, in vain. And he said, because you're approaching the Lord's Supper and you're not doing any of the things you're supposed to do, he said, some of you are sick and some of you have died because you've taken the Lord's Supper in vain. Now, if that doesn't, doesn't get your attention, then, some, then I don't know what will. Now, God is a perfect heavenly Father and he's not trying to keep you from taking the Lord's Supper today. What he wants you to do is be serious about the Lord's Supper. And so we, we examine our hearts and we confess any known sin. And here's another thing. The Bible says if, if you know somebody has something against you, you're not supposed to come to the altar. You're supposed to go make things right with them before you come back to the altar. Now, some of you, some of them, somebody has something against you and they've had something against you for years. And you've tried repeatedly to go and make things right. Well, what the Bible says is as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So if you've made your effort, and if you pray to God, and God gives you a peace in your heart, you come to the Lord's table. I'm not trying to scare you away from the Lord's table. I'm just telling you, you need to have the right attitude before you come. And then the last thing is, Jesus said when we take the Lord's Supper, we proclaim His death until He comes again. So we're looking back at what Jesus did. We're looking right now. We're looking around at relationships, but we're looking forward. We're preaching a sermon today that the same God who died on the cross, who raised from the dead, who the disciples watched go up into glory, is coming back someday. That gets me excited. gives me chill bumps. I don't know if I'll get to see it physically. I may be gone before that. But Jesus is coming back. And so when we take this Lord's Supper today, we ought to celebrate that. So we're going to watch a video. Um, it's called Amazing Grace, and it's kind of got a cardboard testimony. Some of you have seen that before. If you are ready to take the Lord's Supper, you don't have to watch the whole video. You can come. We've got two tables, one on either side. If you have questions, come talk to me. Um, Joe will be available. Jeff's over here. I think Dwayne 
Roland, where'd he go? Okay, Dwayne's over there. If you just have questions, or you just want somebody to pray with you, one of us will be around and, and you come. Um, but I want you to examine your hearts, and when you feel ready, come to the table, come back to your seats, and we'll be dismissed. We won't, be, we won't run over. So whenever you feel that, that you have that peace in your heart, that it's time for you to come, come to the Lord's table. Take the cup. He said, as, as often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. The cup represents his blood. It's not really blood. It's a representation. The bread, he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you, as you do it, remember me. So I just want you to bow your heads for a minute. We'll pray, we'll watch the video, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper, and I'll dismiss you after that. Father, I want this year to be the best that it can be spiritually. Honestly, Lord, I'm not real worried about the physical stuff. I want to know you. I want to be devoted to you. I want to be a man that you can say, he's a man after my own heart. And I know there are men and women in this congregation who feel the same. They want to be the type of person that they love even when it hurts, that they sacrifice for something that will outlast their lives. So would you raise up numerous people, your, your called ones from this congregation? Would you bring more people into our congregation? Would you bring more people into your kingdom through our relationship with you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Watch this video, and when you're ready, come to the Lord's table. Amen.